feisty, fearless, and fair. She's an Emmy-winning journalist from the White House to war zones, telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show. And I never thought that I would be quoting John Hinckley Jr. as giving some sort of sense of reason. But tonight on the Rita Cosby Show, he is making sense in one area. First, of course, John Hinckley Jr. is the guy who tried to assassinate Ronald Reagan back in 1981 in Washington, D.C. He has now been let out after going through decades and decades of mental supervision. Uh, Obviously, the guy clearly was nuts, and I even have issues with him being out now at all. He's doing music all over the place. People are going actually to see him. I would never pay a dime. But he is making sense in an interview that he just did recently with the network where he was asked about the fact that there are so many disturbed people that are getting access to guns. And take a listen to what John Hinckley Jr. says about this issue. I certainly don't think the mentally ill should have access to guns. I mean, that's kind of obvious. I mean, background checks are good and waiting periods are good. I mean, I, I think there's too many guns in America. It's just it's, the climate of the country right now is not good. It's not good to have so many guns. And especially when somebody clearly has mental issues. So tonight, I want to hear your thoughts because I am stunned at the amount of information that has been coming out in the last 24 hours about the Highland Park shooter. This is the 21-year-old guy, Robert Cremo III. And this now is just, it's like a blaring neon sign. You find out... The guy had these, you know, violent tendencies. There were so many reports of authorities coming to the home. And now we're finding out details how he got the guns. Apparently, according to reports, his father actually signed the document, basically allowing him because he was under 21 years old. So the father had to sign a firearms document. That's what was required. And the father apparently did sign for it after there were reports that the son was trying to kill himself. And then also after there were reports that the the son was trying to kill everybody in the house, including the parents. Don't you think maybe at that point the kids shouldn't have access to guns? This is not a Second Amendment issue. This is giving guns to somebody who is clearly mentally disturbed. And it is shocking to hear because when they went to his house, the state police then after that basically labeled him as, quote, a clear and present danger on a report that they filed with the police department. Now, it wasn't filed as a crime because nobody wanted to press any crimes. uh, But what they did do was label him as a clear and present danger. The family apparently didn't want to talk about any of his mental history, And the son, apparently, when police went to talk with them, basically said, no, I wasn't planning on doing any of this. But clearly they went there saying that he was planning to kill everybody in the house. 
after he was planning to commit suicide a few months earlier. And wouldn't you think the last thing you do is allow your son to get access to guns? And everybody was wondering, well, did the parents even know that he even had a gun? Now it turns out, according to reports, that the father was the one who filled out the paperwork and basically allowed him to apply to get a gun, a firearms owner identification card, which he got to do to sponsor somebody who was under the age of 21. And when did he do it? Well, these first reports of the suicide thing happened and it was in April 2019. Then the other case was in September 2019 when he apparently wanted to kill everybody in the house. And wouldn't you want to make sure that anything sharp or anything that could be a weapon would be nowhere near somebody like that? Well, guess what? It turns out that in January, we're talking just a few months, it's like late December, early January, just a few months after that one where he tried to kill everybody in the house, according to reports, what happens? The father fills out paperwork allowing him to get guns. So it clearly looks like the parents obviously knew this kid was buying guns, who had tattoos all over his face, who was talking about violence, uh, also had all the social media violence, if you look all over the place. So I want to hear your thoughts tonight about your reaction to the parents, because the parents are now coming out in this case saying, if we had seen any red flags, We would have notified it to authorities. We would have told authorities. Uh, Do you believe them? 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. And there's also a report where the father uh, was telling, I think it's the Post publication, basically, well, the reason I was taking, you know, helping him with the guns was because I thought he would take them out to the range. Well, if you have a troubled child, don't you think you shouldn't be giving firearms to them in any capacity? To me, it is outrageous. It is so irresponsible. And the first thing I thought about was in Newtown, Connecticut, when that horrible shooting happened at Sandy Hook. The mother in that case, and the mother was killed by the son there, too. Um, Adam Lanza killed his mother, and then he went to the school, to the elementary school, and he opened fire there on students and teachers. Well, the mother was taking him to the gun range because she thought it would calm him down. She thought it would help bond him, and she knew that the son was deeply troubled because a lot of people were taking him for meetings with psychiatrists, for medication, all these things, and she was telling friends that the gun range sort of was a bonding experience with her and her son, and she wasn't so concerned about his violent video games and all these other things. Are you kidding me? I mean, that to me was outrageous. And now when I hear in this case, I'm sitting there saying, the son has already had law enforcement come to the home. According to law enforcement, twice, there are reports that neighbors said they saw police in and out of the house quite a bit. So apparently they maybe were there many other times. But you've got at least these two times on record where once he's trying to kill himself, then another time he's trying to kill everybody in the house. Law enforcement take all the guns away, or all the knives at that point. There's a dagger and there's a whole bunch of other stuff. Apparently the father gets the weapons back. That's a whole other thing, too, that you kind of got to wonder, why would you bring them back? 
if your son is threatening to kill everybody in the place, wouldn't you kind of keep, again, sharp objects away? And then just a few months later, you help sign a firearms ownership, basically identification card, because the son's under 21, to sponsor him to get guns. And then he goes on because there are no crimes that he committed Obviously, just law enforcement coming out, but nobody pressed charges. They didn't even want to talk about his mental health because that might have allowed law enforcement to take additional action. Apparently, there was nothing told to law enforcement when they finally came. Uh, And then the suspect goes on to clear four background checks, and he purchases firearms June 2020, according to another report in July And then later on in July of 2020, gets another, then passes another background check September 20th, 2020. And the only criminal charge against him was something for possession of tobacco uh, in 2016. So there's no criminal record. And the fact that he was deemed a clear and present danger should have already been red flagged. So I blame also state police. There should have been something in his record that never should have allowed it. But then you have a father who is signing off to buy a firearm for a clearly troubled kid who's got tattoos all over his face and rap videos and talking about violence and talking about killing himself and other people in the home. Are you kidding me? This is outrageous. What are your thoughts, everybody? It's 1-800-848-9222, 1-800-848-9222, and you are listening to The Rita Cosby Show. Here is first off, this is Lake County, Illinois, state's attorney, Eric Reinhardt, explaining how this troubled man who was blatantly troubled, how he was able to even get any firearms. Take a listen. The shooter passed four background checks despite these reports of an attempted suicide and the fact that he said he wanted to kill everyone uh, and had this nice collection. How is that possible in a state with these restrictive gun laws and how frustrating is that? So a couple things. Uh, I made these comments yesterday that I think we need to increase our awareness about the the red flag law. We can certainly get you the details of that red flag law. We have a little bit of information about that today. When I have said the words red flag law, that's a specific firearm restraining order. We have to get into a little detail here. There's a firearm restraining order. There is also a process to check individuals before they get their FOIDs. So there are two processes happening. So the Illinois State the Illinois State Police. Uh, the Illinois State Police manage the FOID process. That's the fire owner ID card under Illinois. The Illinois State Police manage that process. Deputy Chief Covelli and I share the same uh, uh, response on that, which is that you, you have to get into the details of exactly when the information is given to the state police, what, what is the level of detail that's given to the state police, uh, and then how they deal with that information for the FOID application process. There was never a firearm uh, restraining order. That's what I have used the term red flag. That type of order has never been, Mr. Cremo has never been involved in that type of order. That is an order where uh, primarily family members and, and, and other individuals can go to a court and ask that somebody have their firearms taken uh, and not be allowed to purchase firearms. To be very clear, that did not happen in Mr. Cremo's case. The, a lot of the questions have been about the Illinois State Police uh, internal process. Yeah, and in fact, as we're hearing now, according to reports, the father, after the knives were taken away, and we're talking 16 knives were taken, also a dagger and a number of other things. After they were taken away, the father then went and said, hey, I would like them back home, according to different reports. So then 
what, they come back home to the house? You bring them back in after your son has apparently threatened to kill everybody in the house? I mean, how bizarre is this? And he has tattoos and he's wearing dark clothes and he's obsessed with these different numbers, which we're going to get into in a moment. I mean, there's just all this stuff. Obsessed with looking at violence, looking on computer, video games, all these different things. And you bring them back in. And then the reason there wasn't any restraining order by a family member, because instead of a restraining order, well, now we're finding out that the father actually helped him apply months after that. Months. We're not talking years or decades later. Literally months. He helps him file for a application. It's a firearm owner's identification card, which has to sponsor the suspect because he's under 21. So law enforcement figure, okay, well, if the dad thinks he's okay and we're not seeing anything in his background and the father's sponsoring him, boy, there are major issues here. Take a listen. This is the attorney now representing the parents because they've lawyered up. Cremo, Bobby Cremo, was just 19 years old at the time and applied for the FOID card. The application was sponsored by his father. Given the fact that two months prior to that, police were called to the house, he was suicidal, and he had threatened to kill his own family. Knives were taken from the house. What does your client have to say about approving and sponsoring an application for a firearm two months later? Well, that's assuming that the police account of the events is accurate, and and pardon my skepticism, but I've been a defense lawyer a long time. Uh, Look, the police returned those knives to them two weeks after they took the knives. So the police couldn't have been too alarmed by that incident. I think the bigger issue here is, is why does a, you know, 20 year old or 21 year old kid why is he able to get a FOID card and then purchase a military assault weapon? I think that's a bigger question that we should be asking ourselves, not whether the family should have sponsored him to get a FOID card when there were no red flags and it was perfectly lawful. Is there anybody out there who thinks that there were no red flags? No red flags. After everything that you have heard about this kid and his background, that there was no red flags. Take a look at the kid. Look at the kid. He even walked into a synagogue. There's a report recently, and as soon as they saw him walk into the synagogue, they're like, who is this guy? Let's get him out of here. The guy clearly looks like a wacko. He has tattoos all over him, and he's obsessed with violence. If you look at his social media page, it's all over the place. He wanted to kill himself, wanted to kill his family, and there were no red flags, according to the family, are you kidding me? 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. When we come back, what do you think of the parents? And what do you think should happen? Should there be any charges even with the parents? Should there be some sort of evaluation? Boy, these are just stunning. And the fact that they right tonight are like, oh, well, the police are lying. Uh, boy, There are many problems in this home. 1-800-848-9222. The Rita Cosby Show. It's the Rita Cosby Show. (laughs) 
And tonight we are talking about the stunning new developments that we're seeing in the case of Bobby Cremo. This is the 21-year-old who is now facing seven counts of first-degree murder following the July 4th parade shooting in Highland Park, Illinois. And his parents saying in a statement that the shooting is a terrible tragedy And basically, had they noticed any red flags, they would have notified authorities because they're, quote, responsible parents. What is your reaction out there after what you just heard? And in fact, the father, just a few months after apparently the son was planning to kill everybody in the house and the police took away all these knives, well, then the father got the knives back and apparently helped him to get basically forms, these are the firearms ownership identification card, basically sponsored him so he could buy a whole series of guns. So there were, everybody was wondering, did the parents know he had weapons? They sure did. The father even helped him get the weapons. So what's your reaction tonight? Because these parents sure seem clueless. 1-800-848-9222. one 848 Nine two two two. Let's go to Kevin on line two. Kevin, your thoughts about all this? Hey, Rita. You know there are more red flags here than you see on display during Army Day in China during the parades. This yeah, I agree. I, Kevin, me too. I am stunned at at all. The, and the the the. I don't know if it's the arrogance or the ignorance or whatever of the parents. I mean, for them to well, go. What's guess, your reaction that the father was helping to get a gun for the kid? So they're going to be holding the bag. There's no doubt that the parent is culp- that the father is culpable here because he's signing off. It's like signing off on a loan, co-signing a loan. The, the father's going to be left holding. Uh, he's going to get a tremendous lawsuit against him by those poor. Just I, I can't even I can't even describe how how bad those parents are feeling out there. It's ridiculous. Now, what's your background? Are you, are you in law enforcement? I was yes, I was. I'm not a lawyer, but I was a, a police officer, and I retired about 17 years ago. And it, there's there's no question if, if if somebody signs off for anything, they're legally responsible for the actions of that person, and or the 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 ultimate uh, you know uh, well bad actions if there are any. And it, 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 believe me, he, I don't know if there's going to be charges. It depends on the laws in the, in the state of Illinois, but it, 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 it common sense tells me I think there's going to they're going to be. Uh, left holding the bag here. What's your reaction to Kevin to the fact that here it is? You know the timeline too is this April first case where police say the kid threatened to kill himself. Then the next one's in September, and then sure enough, it looks like December is when the father signs off on this firearms ownership identification card sponsoring him. And then the application review happens in January of 2020. So we're talking, you know, just a few months after the kid threatens to kill everybody in the house, the father goes and helps him get guns. I mean, that isn't that shocking to you? Let me tell you something. When my son grew up, he's in, he's in his 30s now, when he was in high school, I knew which one of his friends were wackos or potential problems, and there were a couple Thank goodness he didn't stay with them for too long. I knew nobody knows everything their sons do, but the way this this kid has been described, there's no way he could have missed all of these these apparent signs of 
uh, not being normal. I mean, tattoos on your face. Come on, that that and and I'm sure all these posters in his room. There must have been a lot of uh, you know wacky things like that there too. There's no way in on on this earth that this father did not know what his son was into and what he's about. So <laughs> that's all ignorance and nonsense. And he's I think he's trying to shield himself from a lawsuit, but he's not doing a very good job. And the lawyer, yeah. I don't even want to get into it about his lawyer. He's just oh, it, it is, and, the, and the, the lawyer basically blaming the police. How do you like that one, too? Basically, oh, well, the police are not accurate. You know, uh, like the parents know best. Uh, Kevin, thank you very much for the call. We appreciate it. And thank you for your service, too, in law enforcement. We greatly appreciate it. When we come back, everybody, we are going to continue with your calls with these astounding developments that the parents, I agree with Kevin, how could you not see the writing all over the wall with this kid. Rita Cosby is on. The Rita Cosby Show presents Back the Blue. And in tonight's Back the Blue segment, which I love doing every night here on the show where we honor the great men and women in law enforcement A beautiful story coming out of Denver, Colorado, where a former world-class cyclist is stepping out of her racing spandex, and she is going into a blue uniform at the Denver Police Department. She, of course, has been assigned to the Bike Patrol Unit. 47-year-old Kelly Fisher Goodwin graduated from the police academy last month after a successful career as a professional athlete. From 2005 to 2013, Goodwin was considered one of the top female cyclists in America. She won a lot of races. She had a great career. And she retired from cyclists and going into that arena to focus on raising her two daughters. But now she said she is ready for a new challenge. And she said, just like a lot of people that were motivated by 9-11 and joined the military, she was motivated to make a difference in policing. She said she wants to be the change and she wants to make Denver a safer city. And of course, bike patrol seems like the perfect place to start. She was interviewed recently and she was asked, "Uh, do you think that any suspect could get away from you on a bike? And she says, not with my track record. I doubt it. Anyway, bravo to her and how great that a one of the greatest female cyclists in the United States is now on bike patrol working at the Denver Police Department. Bravo to her and all the great men and women in blue who do so much to keep us safe. Well, law enforcement, as we've been talking about, can only do so much. Uh, they can only go by what information they get. First of all, from family members and from people in the community. And in this case, we're talking about the Highland Park shooting suspect because, of course, he was in court today via Zoom. Uh, They had an arraignment for him. Again, he has been charged now with seven counts, first-degree murder. They believe that many more charges will also be coming up upon him. And they believe that ultimately, if he's convicted, it will be life without parole. And when you hear about the background, you're like, "Uh, why weren't other people reporting this guy? Clearly the police, they even admitted they had been to the house twice, once when the kid had apparently tried to kill himself, 
and then another time where he had threatened to kill everybody in the house. And when you hear these things, and now we find out that the father helped to get him to be able to purchase a gun when he was under 21 years old because under 21 they had to get a sponsor. And the father sponsored him months after that threat where he threatened to kill everybody in the home. It is shocking. And take a listen to the different types of guns that he indeed did have. This is Chris Cavelli, who is with law enforcement there in Illinois. Yeah, so in 2020, he bought four weapons. Uh, the weapon used in the July 4th attack, a Celtic Sub-200, a Remington 700, a shotgun. In 2021, he purchased a Glock 43X, and that was after his 21st birthday. And now we are finding out today, the details are just horrifying. A- and you hear about it, you're like, first of all, how could any family member or anybody facilitate giving this guy who had tattoos all over his face uh was you know singing sort of violent songs if you look at social media it's very violent very dark um you know talking about mass shootings i mean the writing was on the wall i mean it is absolutely shocking and now we're finding out that cremo as we know who opened fire from that rooftop remember he got up on the escape Uh, fire escape, and then he goes to the rooftop and opens fire on the parade in Highland Park, the suburb of Chicago. He kills seven. He injures dozens of people that apparently he was plotting another attack in Madison, Wisconsin, because after he did that attack where they found more than like 80 rounds on the rooftop shell casings, can you imagine? He just was like indiscriminately shooting at people. Then he walks to his mother's house, gets her vehicle, and he drives to Madison, Wisconsin, which is about three hours away. And according to authorities, he was contemplating another attack with 60 rounds on his body at that point. So he certainly still had a lot of ammo. And they say the only reason that he didn't carry it out was he had not done enough planning for that attack and decided last minute not to do it. So then he returned from Wisconsin, and then he was apprehended at a traffic stop in Lake Forest, Illinois, on Monday evening. But he was planning on doing a second attack at a celebration on 4th of July in Wisconsin as well. And here's a little more details about that from law enforcement today talking about that. It appears when he drove to Madison, he was driving around. However, he did see a celebration that was occurring in Madison, uh, and he seriously contemplated using the firearm he had in his vehicle to commit another shooting in Madison. Um, Madison. Do you know how much ammunition he had at that point? Approximately 60 rounds. We don't have information to suggest he planned on driving to Madison initially to commit another attack. We do believe that he was driving around following the first attack and saw the celebration. When he got to Madison, did somebody deter him from attacking, or did he appear to make a decision himself to not attack? Indications are that he hadn't put enough thought and research into it. Indications are he hadn't really planned it out, but he was ready to do something else, too. My goodness. And now the parents today of this guy basically saying, God, had we seen any red flags whatsoever, we would have definitely notified authorities. 
1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Steve uh, on line four. Go ahead, Steve. Your thoughts about this. Hi, Rita. How you doing? Uh, something must be mentally wrong with the parents. I mean, this story is absolutely mind-boggling. The father was the one who enabled this kid to buy not one gun, but four guns. And now they're saying that, uh, oh, we had no idea that the kid was a, a whack job. Look at the hair. Look at the tattoos. Look at, look, look at the uh, rings. You know, this guy looks like he's uh, crazy. You know, it's unbelievable. This is like uh, the Adam Lanza case in Newtown, Connecticut, where the mother was taking the kid to the range to show him how to shoot. And she knew exactly. the kid was a no job. Steve, and, and I mean, Steve, you know, I, you know what's interesting, Steve? I brought up the same example because it made me think of that. And apparently the father said in an interview that, of course, I never knew he was going to do this. Um, I thought he was just using all these guns and taking them to the gun range. Well, you know what? If you have a kid who is absolutely troubled where law enforcement has come to your house because the kid was planning to kill himself and then another report that he was planning to kill everybody in the house – why would you even give any guns to the gun range? I mean, it's a, it's like uh, you have to have a hole in your head, you know? Exactly. I mean, when he threatened to kill everybody in the family in September 2019, if that was my kid, I'd have told the cops, take him with him, put him in a mental institution. I might come to visit him once in a while, but get him out of here. Exactly. And for the good, of, and not just for the good of the family, for the good of the kid, too. It's It's like... I mean, you hear these reports, you're just like, what is going on that suddenly, apparently, according, according to these reports, it's December when the father helps with this firearm ownership identification card. Can you imagine the police have just been to your house a few months before, and then they were at the house a few months even earlier, first in April, then September, and then December, you sponsor your son for a firearm, and you're aware that he's getting them and you think he's getting them for the range, but you are actually signing off on your son, who at the time, I think he was 19 at the time, right? Because uh, he's 21 now, but he was uh, 19, I believe, at the time, clearly underage. So you sign off as a sponsor of this? What, what is wrong with you? It's crazy. I mean, it's, this whole case is, oh, my God, terrible. I feel sorry for the victims and the victim survivors. This, this, is, this is a gargantuan state failure. Once that was reported to the state police, whether he committed a crime or not, that should have been reported to the authority so he couldn't purchase anything, knives, guns, bows and arrows, whatever. I agree. I agree. And then they should have actually gone out to the house and talked to the father and said, did you really sign off on this thing? You know, I mean, you know, I mean, like I, I would even take it one step further. You know, I would not only block, obviously you can't block the father, uh, but I would say, wait a minute, there's got to be some mistake here that somebody's actually signing off on this. You know, I, I mean, the fact that there was no red flag in the kid's record and then the fact that the father thinks it's OK for the son to have firearms after that. I mean, to me, that is absolutely astounding. And the statement today, apparently coming through his attorney, saying that if the Cremo parents noticed any red flag, they would have notified authorities because they're, quote, responsible parents. What do you say to that, Steve? That's garbage, okay? I see the attorney was quick to say, oh, the police thought there was nothing wrong. They returned the knives two weeks later. 
I guarantee you that didn't happen. The father probably requested the return of the knives. By the okay. way, that's that's exactly what the stories are saying. The stories are saying that apparently the father said, oh, no, those happen to be my knives, and he wanted them back. I mean, why would you ever bring them back in a house where a kid has threatened to kill the family? Exactly. It doesn't even matter who owns the knives. Why would you have them there? You're totally 100% right. I agree with you. Yeah, Steve, it is shocking. I, I feel the same way. My jaw has dropped, too. It is just, it is absolutely astounding. Steve, thank you very much. Let's go to Eileen on Live 5. Eileen, your thoughts. Uh, Steve and I still just, I can't believe it either. It's shocking. Hi, Rita. I've had better days, as Curtis would say. I have three points. Number one, and please bear with me. Number one, everybody's calling him a kid. He's 22 freaking years old. When we're 13, we make our confirmation or um, bar mitzvah or bat mitzvah. You know the uh, Ten Commandments, okay? I'm tired of people calling him a kid. He's a man. He's old enough to vote. He's old enough to drink. He's old enough to drive. He knew what he was doing. He mapped it out. He planned it. Don't play the uh, mental illness card because that's a bunch of horse hockey. I've By the way, and and Eileen, like- I'll I'll Eileen, I'll let you get to the other two points, but I one thousand percent agree with you because he planned it. He dressed like a woman. He plotted the route to get to the roof. He clearly had enough ammo, weapons, all that stuff, and then he put the weapons in a blanket. Uh, then he also dressed as a woman to escape into the crowd. So it was very plotted. It was planned. You can see. I'm sure they're going to try to do mental you know, some sort of mental defense. And in fact, I think a father or somebody actually, one of the relatives said, I saw somewhere said, oh, he must have just snapped. Well, if you look at the background, it doesn't look like he just snapped. First off, it looks like there's a huge history here that clearly went uh, unattended, if you will, um, I'm being kind. And then the other is clearly in this guy's case, it was planned. It was calculated. This was not something, some snap decision. He had been planning this for a long time. He plotted out the route. He even filmed the route. Apparently, it's out there on social media that he was out there, like, plotting and planning the route, casing the route. You know, he's obsessed with uh, the numbers four and seven, and it was on July 4th, you know, the juxtaposition of the numbers. I mean, there's all these things that he can't just say something suddenly just got into his head. Um, so, I, yeah, I 1,000% agree with you, Eileen. And, and go ahead. I know you have other points. Another point is stop calling him a kid. And also, number three, the parents are scumbags, okay? They knew that he had problems They knew, or that he was um, enamored with violence and um, murder, which the media be a social media, be a movies and video games. The media is the message, as my brother's teacher told them back in the 70s. The media is the message. These parents are scumbags. There's no parental guidance with this young man, not kid. And I won't use his name because that'll give the scumbag satisfaction he's a scumbag and so are his parents and their parents the parents of his parents 
should not have been allowed to procreate. I am livid. Yeah, I am too, Eileen, because you think of these poor families uh, that just went out there to the parade to enjoy the day, and now seven people have been killed, dozens injured, and what this guy did is un you know, unforgivable, it's reprehensible, um, it's disgusting, and it is absolutely horrifying. And if you look at the background, it looks like it was an accident uh, waiting to happen or a, a murder waiting to happen, if you look at because what he did was just so reprehensible. And you look at, you just see the whole history of this guy. I mean, it's all over the place. You look at, you know, to have the cops come out twice with these cases, and there were reports that they were out even more often than that. I mean, there's so many things out there that you just go, how could this have even happened? How could they even have allowed this kid to be out on the streets? Uh, there are just huge. I'm angry, too. I, I am so outraged and so sad for that community, that beautiful community that just wanted to celebrate Independence Day. And this monster uh, destroyed it. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. And I'll continue with your calls, everybody. When we come back, it's the Rita Cosby Show. This is the Rita Cosby Show. And you are listening to the Rita Cosby Show. We are talking about 21 year old Bobby. Primo. And Eileen and I were just saying how outraged we are. I 1000% agree with her. It is shocking when you hear all the background in this kid and the troubles with this kid and the issues with this kid. And now there's reports that he was even planning to do a second shooting in Wisconsin, but hadn't really prepared or planned it out well enough to actually carry that one out. And the parents of this kid saying, God, had we seen anything, we might have reported it to authorities and family members and other people saying, seemed like such a nice kid. Meanwhile, police say that they were there at least twice, once because the kid threatened to kill himself and another time when he threatened to kill everybody at the home. Doesn't sound like a really nice kid. Well, here is Chris Cavelli. He's with law enforcement in Illinois, and he described conversations that were going on with Cremos. And apparently, uh, Cremos has confessed immediately after he was arrested. He confessed to what he had done, uh, but they wouldn't discuss basically his demeanor. Take a listen. I don't want to get into his demeanor during the interview. We'll, we'll take two more, guys, two more. Very careful what the kid is saying and what isn't saying, but he did say that he did confess to the crimes. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to George on line five. George, your thoughts about this. Go ahead, George. Hi, Rita. How are you? Um, I'm good, George. What's your reaction? I'm, I'm, I'm just confused with a lot of stuff. You know, I've been in law enforcement now over 22 years. Um, we're dealing with a lot of mental illness out there, but what we try to do is we take them and we try to bring them to the hospital, but it's, it's 
further than that. It's more into it. The doctors, we bring them there. But, you know, they have a 72-hour hold on them if we bring them there, for example. You know, and they just let them go. They give them medicine. They, 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 never, they never follow up on that. That's, that's the first part of my uh, my first part of my question, the, the means uh, comment. The second thing is, is that when you file for a gun permit, you have to have recommendations. And I think that if anybody who signs off that a person has the authority to use a weapon, okay, should be those people who are recommending that person, they should actually be uh, criminally uh, charged with, with uh, you know, with allowing these persons to carry this firearm. Oh, that's, now, George, let me ask you, because as you mentioned, you've been in, you were in law enforcement for 22 years. Now we're hearing it's the father and that he actually signed off to sponsor his son just a few months after law enforcement came to the house because there were reports the son was planning on killing everybody in the house. I mean, doesn't that just blow your mind? that the father would actually sign off to have the kid get guns, was aware he was planning to buy guns, thought he was just using them for the range, after police come and the kid was threatening to kill everybody in the house? I think that's absolutely ridiculous that he did that. And and came of the father, because how, how are you going to do that? What, to try to uh, shut him up, to try to make him feel better about himself for signing off on that so so he could you know like I, you know it's the father should be charged honestly the father should be charged um i think that honestly and you know i'm, I'm in law enforcement i think the law enforcement there dropped the ball when they were investigating the background check okay how how, how can you give this men, a mentally ill uh party access to weapons like this you know you go you know you follow up you're supposed to check out everything all the calls that you went to on that at, at that residence you notice that they have you know he had the knives they took away the knives how, how can you give this guy how can you give this kid uh firearms from it uh you know that's you know they should actually this should be a further investigation than that but Yeah, by the way, George, I 1,000% agree with you. Uh, Apparently, the kid was labeled as like a clear and present danger, and yet, because he didn't have any charge, the only thing he had was, uh, you know, using or selling or something tied to tobacco, which is obviously, you know, super, you know, minor misdemeanor uh, back uh, many, many years before, and obviously a minor offense, but that's nothing that would prohibit them getting a gun. And yeah, you would think after serious claims where they actually went to the house, but apparently the parents basically and other people at the house didn't want to cooperate with law enforcement, didn't want to give them information, didn't want to talk about his mental history, and law enforcement could only sort of label him so far without getting any cooperation from the family. Uh, This to me is just, it's atrocious when you hear all these issues that happened and you think about all the lives that have now been lost because of this monster we're going to continue with your calls everybody after the break you're listening to the rita cosby show feisty fearless and fair 
she's an Emmy-winning journalist. From the White House to war zones, telling all sides of the story, this is the Rita Cosby Show. You are listening to the Rita Cosby Show. We are talking about a lot of new stunning details that are coming out about the Highland Park shooter, Robert Cremo. And later on in the show, I'm going to tell you about a juxtaposition because in Virginia, a hero citizen, as he's being described, uh, overheard a conversation about two guys planning a mass shooting there reported it immediately to authorities, and authorities were able to thwart what could have been a catastrophic mass shooting in Richmond, Virginia, because somebody overheard something and reported it right away. And you think about the difference of someone coming forward, and now we're hearing, as it seems, if you look at the background of this Robert Cremo, there's a lot of questions, and it's like, He walked into a synagogue, apparently, a few months ago, and they kicked him out of the synagogue because they thought there was something odd about the guy. If you look at him, he looks kooky. If you look on his social media, the guy absolutely looks like a wacky, crazy guy. He's got tattoos all over his face and apparently was looking at games all the time, very violent games, talking about violence had guns. Now we know the father actually helped him to get the firearms identification card because at the time he was under 21 uh, and not able to get him. So the father sponsored it after there were at least two reports of police showing up at the home. One because the kid wanted to kill himself, one report, and another one that the kid wanted to kill everybody in the house. And then, according to reports, the father a few months later goes and helps the kid get a gun, gives him the sponsorship so he can get a gun. I mean, and then you look at this guy. It's like he just looks totally crazy. He looks wacky. He looks nutty. I mean, just even on appearance. And he clearly was calculating. He dressed up as a woman. He planned. He plotted. Apparently, he showed the parade route, was planning the scene. And we're going to get to some of the timing of this, too, in a moment. But you look at it all and you go, how could this happen? And yet, if you listen to the shooter's family, they've come out and through their attorney, they said, oh, they are responsible parents. And then we've also heard from the uncle of the shooter, because the uncle says that he lived with the accused killer nephew and the 21-year-old's father. Uh, and that the uh, Cremo was staying in a separate apartment in the back of a home that they were attached to. So he used to see him quite a bit. And he said he was quiet. He would keep to himself. He would sometimes help him around the house. But most of the time he was a loner, basically focused on his computer, and really seemed like, quote, a good kid. Really? Somebody who was apparently trying to kill himself and kill everybody in the house? Uh, You would have thought he was Mary Poppins if you listened to the family. But take a listen. This is the shooter's uncle describing what he says is just shock from the family about this kid. I just want to say I'm deeply, deeply sorry for everyone that lost their lives 
and got injured from the bottom of my heart. It's I'm heartbroken and I'm and I'm sh- my heart my heart is shattered to hear this and I can't even believe I can't even believe it believe it and I just want to express my my deeply sorry and my condolences to everybody. Me and my brother were very well known in Ravinia, Hunter Park, and we have a good character. Everybody loves us, and and this, this is just, it breaks my heart to even hear about all this. There's been no warning signs, as I saw. As I, I saw him yesterday evening, and when I went home, I said hi to him, and then when I came back downstairs, I said bye, he said bye, and that was it. No warning signs. You know what? It's like, are you kidding me? The kid apparently had police, had to respond to the house where he was living, once because he was planning to kill himself, and then another time when he was planning to kill everybody in the house. Then they took away 16 knives as well as a dagger and some other things. Uh, He was listed as a clear and present danger. Again, God knows how he was able to get a gun, but we do know that the father signed off on this firearms identification card, basically sponsoring him because he was under 21. So just a few months after the cops come out there because they understand that the kid was about to kill everybody in the house, then the father signs off to allow the kid to get guns. They know he's amassing guns, firearm, and the father says, oh, I thought it was for the range. Don't you think somebody with a troubled past... Don't you think as a parent that you should be keeping an eye and allow nothing near this kid? Nothing. No knives, certainly no guns, and yet they clearly were aware of it. And to me, it is just unbelievably shocking. And if you look at the kid, you look at the guy, we wonder now, why did it happen on July 4th? Well, now authorities are saying the reason that they believe it happened on July 4th is that this guy had an obsession with the numbers four and seven. Take a listen first off. This is Chris Cavelli with law enforcement in Illinois describing the rapper, this guy, would-be rapper, and definitely mass murderer's obsession with these numbers. His motivation isn't uh, necessarily clear. I don't want to go specifically into what he told investigators. However, he... Uh, had some type of affinity towards the number four and seven, and inverse was seven four. Do you know anything about the affinity to the numbers four seven? What's the significance? Of it, it apparently comes from uh, music that he's interested in. And he went by the name rapper Awake the Rapper, and used sometimes the name Awake Forty Seven on an online forum where he and others regularly posted images of the aftermath of violence. All right, so there are reports about that. I want to know who was in that forum with him. Because remember, even in the case of the guy in Uvalde, my first thought was, remember, he was online with somebody, and then he said, hey, I'm going to go shoot my grandmother. Oh, I shot my grandmother. Uh, Remember in the case of Buffalo, The guy was in some sort of a weird chat room there, too, talking about violence and how he was planning on shooting up people. Who are these people that are on the other side of these chat rooms, these online forums, and you're hearing people talk about aftermath of violence, and you're not going, hey, wait a minute, 
this sounds like a troubled individual. Maybe I should report him to authorities. Who is on that chat room listening or also saying something else or condoning this kind of behavior? I think authorities should actually get into this online forum, find out who also was aware that he was posting these different images. What were they posting? Are there other individuals? You're listening to The Rita Cosby Show. This is The Rita Cosby Show. And you are listening to The Rita Cosby Show. We are talking about the case of Robert Primo. And when you hear all the details, and we were just talking about this guy who tattooed all over him, 4747, all over his face, all over his car, um, all these details. And then he opens fire on the public on 7-4. That's why authorities believe, because he was obsessed with these numbers. And he also called himself uh, a rapper. And he was also going by the symbol 47, rapper 47, and uh, awake 47. He was apparently also on a chat room, an online forum, where he also used the name awake 47. I want to know who was on that forum. And apparently on that forum, they were talking about violence. They were talking about all these different issues. Why were these people listening to this guy talking about violence and who else was in this chat room? Not necessarily that they knew anything about the mass shooting, but clearly there was discussions about violence and other things in this chat room. And he was going by the name, again, Awake 47, putting the code 4747 all over his face. And then he does this attack on just innocent people that were there at the parade on 7 And authorities believe there is no coincidence that he was attached to these numbers. And that may have been the symbolism, they believe, for the attack on July 4th. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Pete in Staten Island on line four. Pete, go ahead. Hi, Rita. I got a theory on this. I don't know how much it holds water. I'm just going by personal experience. I had a friend of mine that had a stepson, and he was like uh, 18, 19 years old. And my friend always used to come out, and he had all, like, bruises on his face and everything. And when I would ask him, he says, oh, I got mugged or something. But it was that the son was beating him up. He was a small guy. He was like six, uh, like five, six. A nice working guy, you know, worked all hard all his life. And uh, the son used to beat him up. It got so bad that my wife and I, we were living in a place we weren't happy with our landlord because he was pretty abusive. So we moved into the house. And what we did was I told the son, stepson, you got to either move out of here or what. You don't touch your father anymore. You're 21 years old now. Yeah, and, absolutely. Uh, you you, you got to move absolutely. on. So, Pete, Pete what, what is well, – yeah, Pete, what's your point with this case? But I agree with you. Good for you for standing up for the father because that's horrible. Right. But the thing is, I think maybe this father, they said he ran for mayor of the town. 
he must have been frightened of this kid, even though this kid looked puny and stuff. If he was just crazy to be threatening them and stuff, you know, I'm not standing up for the father. I don't know their case or their situation, but true experience that I had, you know, we actually, my wife and I actually moved into the house and we got rid of the kid. And I'm, when I get rid of him, I mean, we get, I told my friend, you give him money, give him $1,000 a month for three months so he could get on his feet and get out and your problem will be solved and we'll remain here until it's over with. And that's what we did. My wife and I, we made a little bit of a sacrifice, but it worked out because I don't take no nonsense. I don't touch anybody. I don't be, I raised the daughter. She's perfect. She uh, works for children's services and she does a great job. And that's why my wife and I tutoring her. My wife with the smarts from education and me with the streetwise being. Well, Pete, and by the way, uh, obviously you are a great guy and and care about other people. I guess my question to you is, don't you think that parents will have a responsibility because law enforcement was called out to the house. Uh, Law enforcement says twice, once uh, that the kid was planning on killing himself. And then the next one was that he was planning on killing everybody in the house And then apparently they didn't want to press charges. They didn't want to talk about the kid's background to law enforcement. They wanted to keep it private. You understand, obviously, it's hard to be able to say that about your own child. But if your child is at the point where he's threatening to kill everybody in the house, you got to do something. You have a responsibility. And then we find out now that just a few months later, the father signs off on this firearms identification card basically giving the kid authority to be able to get a gun before the age of 21. I mean, I mean, isn't it, it, there's something, there's something kind of insane about this whole thing, Pete. I mean, it really is. And, and at some point you have to say, it just takes common sense that somebody like that should not have firearms. Uh, the kid was a loner, has tattoos all over himself. He's on social media talking about violence all over the place. And you give him a gun. I mean, to me, it is incomprehensible. Pete, thank you so much. Let's go to Norman on line six. Norm, your thoughts about all this. Go ahead, Norm. Oh, my. Well, here, okay, here comes the conspiracy theorist. Um, I, Rita, I, I don't, I don't, you know, I just see these shootings clustering. I see them clustering. I see the one in Baldi. I see the one in Buffalo. And, I, you know, and there's always questions I have, you know, when I hear initially about, the types of guns he's using, um, you know, I, 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 the, the, the rifle mentioned was a Keltec, and that's not military. And then I hear that, you know, the scribe is describing it as high power, and I hear him describe, you know, which, which the term high power and, and semi-automatic or assault rifle are not, it can't go together because high-power rounds don't cycle in a semi-automatic rifle. But anyway, you got to know my guns about that. But anyway, but my point, my point is, is that I don't trust this government. I, I, I don't trust, I don't, I don't know really what's going on, but I, I just find it very strange that all of a sudden you have these clustering of things and immediate gun control legislation is coming down. Immediate. You have, you have Murphy doing it in New Jersey. You have Hochul doing it in New York. So wait, you think that you think some of this was, uh, was created? See, Norm, where I, I go on this is I do believe, sadly, that there are copycats. I don't believe that it's a, uh, a, you know, a manufactured or created, uh, you know, I think 
Um, I think there are some who see headlines that other people get, and then somebody says, oh, well, I'm going to do this too. And I think, um, you know, I think that's why uh, people hate even naming the shooter, because you don't want to give them attention for their horrible, heinous crimes. But um, but I do see on the flip side, not on the conspiracy aspect, uh, but I do believe that people are clearly playing politics with a lot of this, because the first thing that you hear them come out is about gun control. And if you look at this case um, here, he bought them legally. He had a father who helped him get the identification card months after there was a report that apparently he was about to kill everybody in the house. I mean, if the parents aren't going to try to prevent the kid from getting a gun with that kind of a report, um, it's very hard for law enforcement to control it. But, Norm, thank you. I always appreciate your calls. Let's go to Robert in Philadelphia. Robert, real quick, your thoughts. Hi, it's nice to talk to you, Rita. I won't belabor the parents because the other callers are doing a fine job pillaring them. And I hope the kid enjoys his time in jail. He'll be popular, and I'm sure it won't be in a way that he's going to like. But my point is, is I wanted to sort of piggyback on what Norman was just talking about and disagree with you slightly. Now, you um, you know from, from work that you do, charity work that you do, that there are people online looking for children to groom, correct? Oh, yeah, sadly, very much sadly. Okay. And, and actually, Robert, do me a favor. We're, we're, we have to go to a hard break. What I want to have you do, Robert, stay on with us. We're going to go to a quick break. We're going to do our salute our salute to our heroes, our support our heroes, which I love doing every night here on the show. And then I'm going to finish with your call because I do want to hear your thoughts, Robert. Stay with us, everybody. We're going to continue talking about this case. Who do you blame? And boy, were there a lot of red flags on this one. Rita Cosby is on. Show presents Support Our Heroes. And in tonight's Support Our Heroes segment, the Secretary of Defense has established the Atomic Veterans Commemorative Service Medal to commemorate the service and sacrifice of veterans who were instrumental in the development of our nation's atomic and nuclear weapons programs. Our nation's longstanding nuclear deterrence capability resulted from the service and sacrifice of service members, now known as atomic veterans, who participated in the initial testing and development of our nation's atomic and nuclear weapons programs. Notably, of course, the dangerous and very important work that these veterans performed was often done in secret due to national security requirements. And the Atomic Veterans Commemorative Service Medal now recognizes that the service and sacrifice of those veterans directly contributed to our nation's continued freedom and prosperity during the period following World War II and was pivotal to our nation's defense during the Cold War era as well. Veterans eligible for the medal are those who performed these specific military duties during the period of July 1945 to October 1992. Wow, very interesting. And it's really beautiful to see those veterans honored for their incredible work and very important work, not just for us, but for the world's security. And we are talking about the case of Robert Cremo. 
and his very, very bizarre obsession with the numbers four and seven. This is the Highland Park shooter. And also finding out details. First of all, he was so weird about these numbers that he put four and seven all over his face. He put it all over his car. Apparently, he kind of went by uh, rapper Awake 47. Um, and it's all over the place, like in his writings, in his video. He used the name Awake 47 on an online forum where he and others regularly posted images of the aftermath of violence, according to reports. Who were these people that were on the other side? And it brings up so many questions. First off, about the parents, because apparently the father helped to get him firearms, got him at least the permit so he would be supported to be able to buy it before the age of 21, just months after there was a report that the kid was planning to kill everybody in the house. Uh, That, to me, is just bizarre that you would ever let a kid that is troubled with firearms. That's one. And then now also we're finding out that all over his social media, the kid was talking about violence. If you look at him, he's got tattoos. It's just uh, there are so many issues here, guys, that it was a blaring neon sign. And there were so many mistakes made, it looks like, by so many individuals, even law enforcement, deeming him a clear and present danger and then him still being allowed to buy guns. I, I mean, how can this be? And now we're finding out that he was planning another attack in Madison, Wisconsin, as well, that he was driving by there, saw another celebration, but didn't really have it planned out and then turned around and came back. Uh, But he had already done so much destruction in Highland Park, Illinois, where we know seven people have died and dozens have been injured as he was standing there on that rooftop just opening fire, more than 80 shell casings found on that rooftop. It is just unbelievable. We're continuing with your calls. Who do you blame? Obviously, the shooter first and foremost, but who else dropped the ball in this case? Uh, The parents say, gosh, there were no red flags. We didn't see anything. I would think police coming to your home several times would be a good red flag for starters. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Robert. In Philadelphia, I want to continue with you, Robert. Thank you for holding on. Go ahead. No problem. Um, as I said, if you if you realize that there are people online, sick people trying to groom children to do things, it's not that much of a stretch to think that there might be people online trying to groom whack jobs like this to act out. I would love to see their inbox. Um, I don't trust my government as a whole like Norman. I'm not given to conspiracy theories, but I don't rule them out, and I certainly wouldn't put it past this current Democratic Socialist Party to do something like this to get their gun control agenda passed. I know no proof. I'm not saying anything, but it wouldn't surprise me. And I would like to see more of what these people are receiving on social media because if there's a link, wouldn't that be amazing? And I'll leave well, and I also I agree with you, Robert, that social media definitely needs to be looked at in this case. Uh, apparently, also, he was using this rapper name of Awake 47. I remember I mentioned he was obsessed with these numbers. And in this online forum where he and others were putting images of the aftermath of violence, discussing violence, uh, who was in those websites? I mean, it's an interesting point. 
and it's worth looking at. And I also think anybody that was in that forum talking about violence, was he saying that he was, was he even describing a, a planned attack? We don't know. Um, but who are these people that are in there discussing violence and think that that's appropriate or cool? I, I mean, it, it's just shocking. I think these things need to be monitored much more deeply. And, and I agree with you on that point. Robert, thank you very, very much. Um, let's go to Robert um, on line four. Robert, your thoughts. It's a, it's a Robert night. Go ahead, Robert. Hey, Rita. Thank you for taking my call. Well, certainly the father needs to be uh, uh, seriously investigated. But in addition, as someone, I'm 63, you know, I, I, uh, when I rented an apartment, I had to show three uh, um, uh, references, people who knew me. I had to give a tax, uh, you know, not a tax, but a credit score. Uh, I was telling your producer, I, I got a pilot's license years ago. I spent, you know, hours with a teacher, with education and training. They get to know you. Uh, it seems to me, while I guess it's enumerated in the Constitution, you can get a gun, you've got to have some very different types of criteria in terms of underwriting to find out what these kids are doing when they're 16, they're 17, their school activities, their hobbies. This is a, this is a, uh, I'm, I'm speechless beyond this in terms of, of what needs to be done. I have a friend whose uncle was killed in Parkland, and I thought we had this stuff wrapped up and fixed, and it seems to me we're not even close. That's my comment. Uh, you know what? You know, you just brought up uh, the Parkland, too, of course, which was such a heartbreaking case. And you're right. And we're seeing these more often. And it is. It's baffling. How did this guy who was labeled, quote, a clear and present danger, get the gun? Um, I, I Again, I don't understand how, how the father could have signed off on it and and even allowed the son to have a gun. That would have been the last thing I would have had a child like this or a guy who had this kind of background. But he did. And so according to all of these reports, the father signs off on it. And you're right. What other kind of checks do they do on the guy? Uh, Do they go visit him? Uh, Do they check mental background? Clearly there was nothing in the background. That's what they said. The only thing that he had in terms of, quote, a run-in with the law if you will, was something tied to tobacco, you know, very minor crime. But this clear and present danger, because the parents didn't press charges and they didn't want to go into the background, and because it was just a mental assessment, it didn't go down as sort of committing a crime, obviously. Um, so then it wasn't red flagged, if you will, because, listen, Illinois has some pretty big red flag laws in place, as does New York, as do a lot of states. But clearly, as we have seen of late, not just in this case, but I think about in the Buffalo case. Remember, the guy had backgrounds there, had issues there, had been visited by the state police there. Uh, And in this case, the state police was notified about this guy, too, labeled him as a clear and present danger. But obviously, it wasn't enough to go into a system. How could you label somebody who is a clear and present danger, not put something in that would prevent him from getting a weapon? And literally, in this case... He got a weapon months later. We're not talking years or decades later, months later. I, I mean, there it, it's, it's stunning to me, Rob. It is stunning to me. I mean, aren't you amazed that the timing, it's not like there was a long leap and they couldn't do something in the system to red flag it, to go, if you have the state police somehow notified about a, a family member, guess what? That family member shouldn't have a gun. You know what, Rob? You have too many levels of bureaucracy, and just like 9-11, uh, they're not talking to each other. 
but I believe you need six, six, seven different background uh, references. Yeah, I, I agree. And you're right. Who else? If there was anybody else or was it just the father? Um, as far as we know, and you're right, there should be other people. But although if you look at this case, it looks like a lot of family members would have said what a nice guy he was, even though if you take one look at him, the guy looks like he's nuts. 1-800-848-9222, everybody, 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Larry on line three in Brooklyn. Larry, your thoughts about this. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm, I'm look, uh, Rita, you know, you're dealing with this guy is a product of our society. There's many, many reasons why uh, you just said there's no excuse whatsoever. I mean, the only thing I can think of is, is, is there's apathy all the way down the line. I mean, there was a guy who just quit the police force after 20 years. He was, he was in, the, in the newspaper very prominently. He said, take this job and shove it. I got my 20 years in. He was a decorated cop. Why? He says, the job sucks. He says, it's not what it used to be. He says, and everybody's deriding the cops and this, that. When morale is low among law enforcement, you know, they don't seek to do the job real to protect society. They figure, ah, who cares, you know, because they got, they got so many problems. That they don't work with their pride anymore. Their pride is not a factor. So they, they, they say, okay, you know what? This kid's a bug. We're going to give everybody – everybody's going to be thrown a break, you know, because this is the way they increase their self-esteem. We're going to be nice. We're going to have a lot – instead of having – you know, pro, being, being, being um, vigorous in their enforcement and, and doing their job, they, they're, they're building up their self-esteem in sick ways by, 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 over, by looking over the case, by not making, you know, by not doing anything. It's all about you know, You know, the other thing, too, Larry, and somebody said last night, and I think Pete brought this up also tonight, that the father was running for mayor, and the father was running for mayor at that time in 2019. So here's the son according to police, acting up clearly um, to the point where he's thinking about committing suicide and thinking about killing everybody in the house. The father's running for mayor. Um, Did maybe the father or somebody in the family, I mean, we don't know, but maybe did they come out and say, hey, uh, if you could, uh, nothing happened here, or if you could kind of keep this under wraps or who knows what. One of the callers suggested that maybe, you know, the family, the last thing they wanted, and the last thing any family wants out is, is, uh, you know, a child acting up or doing something as horrible as making an accusation to kill everybody in the house. Uh, but was there something, you know, good old boy system in a small town? Uh, it's a small community. It's only about 30,000 in this community because it's a suburb of Chicago. It's not the big city of Chicago. It's a small suburb outside of it. So who knows if that played a role, too? And And maybe... Or maybe they didn't give enough information to law enforcement. Maybe said, oh, well, maybe things were misunderstood or, you know, or maybe he didn't really mean it after all. Or, you know, and then the father, I think, claimed that it was his um, knives. There's a report that uh, that they were the kids knives, but then the father claimed that they were his knives. And, you know, so, I mean, there's all these different things. You, you don't know what law enforcement actually was told, not told. Um, but either way, if somebody is clearly making these kind of threats, uh, I agree with uh, Rob, who called just a moment ago, that there should have been extra, extra background checks on anybody who even thinks about buying a gun when you've got this kind of stuff in your background. It, to me, is just shocking, absolutely shocking. Let's go to Frank on line two in Maine. Go ahead, Frank, your thoughts about all this. Uh, good, e- good evening, uh, Rita. You know, um, this reminds me of, of Ethan Couch 
affluenza, and it's not it's not the the coincidence that this that these two are two totally different cases. It's the fact that the parents are sticking up for this kid. Um, they're bending over backwards, saying stuff like, "Oh, you know, he was a good kid. Oh, he's a great guy. Oh, he's an excellent person." No, and. Ethan Couch, they said the same thing. As a matter of fact, if I do believe it, if I do, if I remember the case correctly, didn't the mother run away with Ethan Couch to like Mexico? <laughs> um, oh yeah, so, there was something. I, I believe, I'm trying to remember. There was something like odd with that case. I remember there was something odd with that one. But you're right that you hear in these cases quite often where um, either they're allowing. You know, I think about there was the Michigan case. Remember, there was one, too, where um, the mother or the fa- or the mother said, you know, don't say that you have the gun there or don't say you have a gun. I mean, like, you know, like was kind of hiding in the cover up. Remember, and where the Michigan parents are now, actually, they were charged. Remember, that was a case not that long ago where the Michigan parents were charged because it, they were able to show, I think, through text messages that they knew he had a gun. Uh, the kid opened fire, I think, in, in the school. And remember, it came back to the parents that they were well aware. They were hiding it. They, like, snuck the gun to him. And, I mean, there was some a lot of stuff there that kind of, like, opened the door on that one where they actually did go after the parents. And in this case, the parents are saying through this attorney uh, that had they seen any red flags, they would have notified authorities because, quote, they are responsible parents. What do you say to that one, Frank? I say they're enabling this kid, and they're um, they're actually they're <laughs> it's it's actually like they're 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 taunting the the law enforcement saying, um, well, go ahead, come after us because we think our our son is innocent. We think our son is great, um, and and the parents and the parents are very um, aware or or very naive. <laughs> I'm trying to be nice here. Very. Um, very, uh, you know, uh, you know, very uh, nonsensical. I don't know, man. I, I think that the parents are very, very naive and, and enabling, enabled their son to do this deed. And now they're covering it up and they're trying to, they're trying to justify it by saying, oh, yeah, he's a great kid. Oh, yeah, he's a good guy. Oh, but he's a good son. No, he's, you, you groomed him this way. You groomed him to the point where now he's a murderer. And I'd like to thank those, those, those parents for being his friends as opposed to being parents. Um, and you can't be friends with your kids. you got to be parents. And Absolutely. Nobody, no, absolutely. And if you see something, it's a hard thing to do, Frank, obviously. If you see something, but in this case... Uh, I mean, the guy has tattoos all over himself. Apparently, he was all over social media uh, talking about violence, had guns, uh, talking about mass shootings. I mean, and the police came out multiple times. According to neighbors, they were there often. There was also a report, I think it's of a coach who said uh, that the parents often like didn't really pick them up, weren't really there, weren't really involved. I mean, there's a lot of these things that you can point to a lot of things, but it clearly, for them to say, oh, he was a good kid and there was no warning, uh, you know, that that I find extremely hard to believe. Uh, we're going to continue with your calls, everybody, after the break, 800 848 
800-848-9222. And you're listening to The Rita Cosby Show. You're listening to The Rita Cosby Show. It's The Rita Cosby Show. And you are listening to The Rita Cosby Show. We have been talking about the case where the writing was all over the wall with this Robert Primo, the Highland Park shooter, and the parents saying, oh, they had no idea of this kid's background, even though law enforcement came out multiple, multiple times, as we know, at least twice, according to law enforcement. Now, I want to juxtapose that with what happened in Richmond, Virginia, because today the chief of police came out and said, that a hero citizen overheard a conversation that tipped them off to two guys who were planning a mass attack on a big amphitheater there, uh, the Dogwood Dell Amphitheater, and a city baseball game, that there would have been a mass shooting or two taking place on the July 4th celebration, if not for this incredible citizen who tipped authorities off, then they went to the home of the suspects, found weapons, found plans, a whole bunch. Take a listen. Here is the Richmond police chief. Any, any other details you could provide around that, that tip that came in? It came from a hero. It came from someone who did the right thing. It came from a hero. And that person, we, I mean, we owe several lives to that one person. And that's what I can say right now. They're a hero. Absolutely. And here is also the chief repeating what boy uh, now is blaring in the case in Illinois. But take a listen to what he said, the messages from what happened in Virginia. Public safety is a responsibility of us all. One phone call saved numerous lives on the 4th of July. And moving forward, we employ that everyone, if you see something, say something. If you hear something, say something. It is the responsibility of law enforcement that if we hear something, that we do something. And that is the message I would like to get out today, that see something, say something, works. Absolutely. And all you had to do was take one look at this guy in Highland Park with tattoos 4-7 all over his face and look at his background. It was a blaring neon sign. And it looks like nobody did, although there were the calls to the house And now the attorney for the parents say, oh, well, uh, maybe it was misunderstood. The police say one of them was the kid planning to kill himself, and the other call was him planning to kill everybody in the house. I would say that's a pretty good sign that there's a problem with the kid in the house. Let's go to Devin on line four. Devin, you're here on the Rita Cosby Show. Your thoughts real quick. Hey, thanks, Rita. Um, You know, these social media, you know, fascists, are Hawkeye when it comes to conservative uh, censorship, um, but just blind as bats when it comes to, you know, reporting like whack jobs like this. So, I mean, if these states are holding parents responsible now, as they should, um, in, certain, in some cases, why not, you know, Mark Zuckerberg and, and the likes? You know, that's an interesting point, Devin. Obviously, it's hard, you know, to hold them responsible, but they should be certainly vetting You know, it's like if they don't like somebody's political opinion, they're gone on social media. And yet these people are out there like this guy, uh, like the Buffalo guy. It sounds like the Uvalde guy. Um, But a number of these people are out there 
with big neon signs. And in this case, this guy was on reportedly on an online forum talking with others, posting images of the aftermath of violence, discussing violence, shootings, all these things. And if you look at their social media, the other thing is, why weren't the parents looking at his social media? You know you got a troubled kid. Why is he getting guns? Why are you not monitoring his social media? And also law enforcement should have. If they knew the kid was, quote, a clear and present danger, they should be monitoring. And you're right. Media companies also need to do a better job because they seem to go after political opponents. But yet people that are posting about murder and mayhem and all this other stuff, why are they not going after them? We all need to do a better job. Great call. And everybody have a great night. I'll talk to you tomorrow. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.